0: So cool so today I want to conclude um, the series just a closer walk with thee um, actually before I do that yeah this this came into my head I'm kind of going off script. don't know if I just feel a wee bit more bold doing that because JC's not here looking at me in the front row or what it is, okay? Normally he's the one that misbehaves very badly when I'm not here, so don't tell him, okay, if I uh, misbehave this morning. Um, I was just standing uh, this, just there during worship, but also I've been thinking a lot this week about um, the privilege that it is for me as a woman to lead in church. Um, and, and I don't know if... I follow blogs and Facebook stuff and I probably half times I shouldn't because it just wrecks your head. But, um, you know, this week again, there was another like sort of scan, not scandal, there was another sort of, um, I don't know, debate about whether women should lead in church or not and whether they women should be permitted to teach men or not and that kind of thing. And And every time I hear that now, I used to hear that and it used to make me feel like oh God, am I, am I disobeying you in some way by doing what you've called me to do? And I've reconciled that a long time ago, but at the same time, I'm more and more thankful and grateful for this church that I never feel in any way anything other than honored by you guys. I feel completely permitted to lead you. I feel com- completely equal to Jason in that. I never feel that you treat him differently to me. And I just really want to thank you for that and really acknowledge that as being the truth. Because I'm also aware that not just in other countries, but actually in our own country and in, and in the, the West, there's lots of women who are gifted, as gifted and probably more gifted than I am, that are not permitted and not released to do what I do. Um, so I am very, very grateful for that. So that's my wee speech over, but thank you. Um, just wanted to say that. Okay, <clears throat> today we conclude the series of Just a Closer Walk with Thee. And each week, um, we've been looking at ways that we can daily encounter God and grow closer to him. And the part of um, this that always amazes me is that God, the God of all creation, this huge God, would want to have a relationship with me. That there's this longing from his end to connect with me, that it's not just that I'm sort of reaching and grasping at God, this massive big God up there, or far off, but actually that there's this... God, this father, this God that we know of from scripture that wants to have a relationship with me. And that never grows, grows old for me, that he would desire this, that he would, that he would desire um, that I would meet with him. And very often what it feels like for me is that I take a step closer to him and he just fills the gap. It's like I take a step in and it's like he rushes to meet me where I am. Do you know what I mean? You know, sometimes we see it as if we have to keep searching and going after him and going after him. But it's not, a, it's not even an equal thing. I think we take one step and it's like he takes a mile and he comes in our direction. And he just longs and desires this close, intimate relationship with us. He doesn't want a cold, casual, polite relationship. And throughout the Bible, we read stories of how God desires us. We read the story of the prodigal son, probably one of the most famous. And he turns his back on the father and he walks away, only to find that actually in the world there was nothing there for him. It was empty. It was unfulfilling. Um, We see the story of the shepherd who loves his sheep and will lay his life down for them. We see God in the garden walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day just see this God who longs for relationship, who longs to heal and mend and restore this broken relationship that's been broken by sin. And as we go through the Bible, it stresses and it's very clear that our Father, your Father wants relationship and it's at a deep level, it's at a deep, deep place. But let's be honest with each other this morning, be honest with yourself. So often in our Christian walk, and for those of you who have have known Jesus for a long time or even for a shorter time, you'll know that sometimes it feels like our relationship ebbs and flows, doesn't it? Or is that just me? Hands up who who acknowledges that, yeah. That sometimes it can feel like we're so, so, so close. I remember um, one time, this is going back years ago because I was still living at home, and I remember one night sitting in front of the fire in my mum's house. Mum and dad were in bed. And I was just sitting, and it was the end of the fire, you know, like the wee embers. And I was sitting there and I was praying to God and I was talking to him and I was pouring out my heart to him. I don't even remember what, what was going on in my life at the time. There wasn't any big crisis, but I was just in this moment of just me and God. And honestly, I was afraid to turn around because I thought he was standing right behind me. It was like this, the presence of God filled my mom and dad's living room. And I didn't have language for that then. I couldn't have told you that's what happened. But all I remember is thinking, if I turn around, I think he might actually be there. And I'm going to freak out. <laughs> so I just, and then it was like, there was a wee bit of metal around the fire. And I wouldn't look in it in case I saw his reflection. I mean, I was so convinced that Jesus was standing right behind me. And yet, there's so many other times in my life where I just feel like we know each other well. But it's like, you know, I don't make the effort to really really connect with them I'll be honest with you and i think for so many of us it's like we long for this deep relationship we know it's available to us but sometimes we just struggle to to find them in the midst of the noise and the clatter of the world around us and sometimes the noise and the clatter inside our own heads but here's what i want us to take away from this series and from this morning more than anything else is that Your Father in heaven longs for a deep, loving, intimate relationship with you. That's his desire. That's his desire. And we love because he first loved us. So we can have that relationship because he desires it first. So it is possible. It is possible. At times it feels beyond reach, but it is possible. Turn with me to Luke 24. If you have your Bibles with you, um, it's going to be on the screen. And we're going, to read, we're going to read verses 13 to 16, 25 to 27, and 32. So you can just kind of track with me as we go down through those verses. <clears throat> so, Luke 24. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. And then in the in between verses, basically what's happening is, and then they began to describe their sadness of the death of Jesus and his body had gone missing. And then he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. I think Jesus says that to me quite often. Maybe not, but it's like, Michelle, do you not see it? Really? You still don't see it? This is Jesus saying to these guys, how foolish you are. And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And they asked each other, were our hearts not burning within us? while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. Would you not have loved to have been one of those guys on that road? To have Jesus go through the scriptures, right through, from Moses right through, to go and explain everywhere where he was mentioned, where it was talked about his coming, and to have Jesus... Talk all that through with you and to have them have right there in the flesh. Do you imagine the revelation you would have? Do you imagine you would never recover from that conversation, would you? You would just be telling everybody forever. That's the only thing you would ever talk about, I think, if you had that encounter. And they said, Where are our hearts not burning within us? My question to us this morning is, When's the last time we got heartburned from reading the scriptures? You see, is the Bible really that fiery in our experience? Does it ignite God's character, Christ's character in us? Or are we more, are we more like him because we read the scriptures? Do we become more like him as we surrender to what we see of him and that Do we mirror his character? Do we begin to see things as he sees them as we read the scriptures? You see, I think that for too long we've been told that it's like we need to gather all this information from the Bible so that we can have an argument for someone if they, they come up to us. So often, when I meet new people or people who've just become Christians, their big thing is like, if somebody asks me something, I don't know what to say. And it's like we think that we need to have all this information so that if somebody challenges our faith and challenges it, then that we have to be able to go through, like Jesus did with these guys, from Moses, right through the prophets right through the, the gospels and the epistles, right through the whole Bible and prove that we really know Jesus. But actually the knowing him is just knowing him. Last week I was down in Ignite. I had so much fun down with the P6s and 7s and P5s, P5, 6, 7s down in the jar. And what we, do, what we talked about last week is I just simply, I looked around and I realized that a lot of the, the children it did make me feel a wee bit old to be honest, because I remember some of them being born, (laughs) which is cool On one hand, and on the other hand, I'm going, oh my goodness, I'm getting old, Um, and sitting, chatting to them, and I ended up telling them my story of how I became a Christian, and how I found Jesus, and we talked about that, and and I talked to them, and I was encouraging them, the reason I told them my story is I said, guys, you can tell your story, what's your story, how did you become a Christian, how did you come to know Jesus? that's what you need to share with people. If people ask you, are you a Christian? Don't worry that they're going to start interrogating you about the prophets and the law and the Torah and all those things. Just tell them about Jesus. Tell them about your friend Jesus. Tell them about how he changes your life. Tell them about the moment that you accepted him, how that felt. That's what you tell people. And I think that The reason we read scriptures, and it's so important we read the Bible, but it's so important that we read the Bible not for information, but for encounter. It's so important that it's not just for information. It is fantastic if you are one of these people that loves studying, then absolutely, go for it, because I know people that their their pathway, their, their connection to God is through really going deep with theology and studying it, and that is fantastic. But that doesn't have to be for every single one of us. But we do need to read his word every day. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by the word of God. And every day we need to be encountering him in the scriptures, not so that we can fill our bank up of information, but so we can connect with him and we can meet with him, so that we can have heartburn. but some of us get afraid of where to start. Where do you start? How many people have honestly felt that before? You can Put your hand up. Yeah, where do, you, where do you start? When Claire first became a Christian, Claire phoned me one day from a Bible bookshop. Do you remember Claire? She's going, there's so many Bibles, I don't know which one to choose. <laughs> I was like, just pick one that looks nice. And go for NIV or NLT because they're really easy to understand. She goes, really? Okay. <laughs> that is a true story, yeah. The important thing is that, you know, sometimes it can just be bewildering. And we, and we think and go, well, where do I start? Well, how, how do I start? We have never lived in a better time for reading scripture. One of the things that I love to do and what I do every day is I use an app called the Bible app. Um, U version, and it is fantastic. I've got it on my Kindle, I've got it on my phone. It means I can just log in and, it, and I love the fact that it ticks every time I read it. I love it that there's a wee tick. I really, if anybody else is wired like me and you like a wee tick, works great. They actually do streaks now. Any Snapchat people in the room? No one's admitting it, okay? Fair enough. <laughs> but they do, so the rest of you don't know what Snapchat streaks are. I'll just move on. We're all the teenagers. They're not in the room, so nobody, you know what it is? I'm nodding at any of the teenagers. Yeah, Snapchats. yeah. They know what they are. I'm, I'm down with the kids. It's me. Um, but they now do streaks on version as well, so it tells you how many days in a row you've read your Bible, and I love it. I'm having a wee competition with myself. It's great. But here's what I would say is start somewhere. You know, years ago, when I gave my life to Jesus when I was seven, one of the first things that happened was the lady that was with me at the camp where I gave my life to Jesus was she got me a set of Bible notes and she just said, right, from now on, every night you do that. I didn't question it. I thought, that sounds good to me. And for years and years, that was my practice. But nowadays, we have so many resources at our hands. We don't even have to go to a a bookshop, find a Bible bookshop, find our Bible notes and buy them. It's all online and it's all so, so, so accessible. If you don't like to read, you can now listen as well. You can listen to the Bible. And don't ever feel like that's less than, okay? Don't ever feel that because for some of us, reading doesn't come easy. And the truth is, years and years ago before the Bible went to press, the only way people heard it was through hearing it. It would have been repeated and repeated orally. If you were a young Jewish person, you had to learn the first five books of the Bible off by heart so that you would just know them, repetition. So, you know, if you can't, if you find it difficult to read, again, use that app and listen, listen to the scriptures, but encounter the scriptures every day. Because it's not so much the scriptures that we want to encounter, it's the God of the scriptures. It's his voice. It is the living word of God. And I think that the scriptures only begin to feel boring or dry when we separate them from encounter. When it becomes something on our to-do list. And I know there's times and there's been times in my Christian walk where it has been a discipline, where I have disciplined myself to keep reading the scriptures every day because I know it's good for me. I wish I could do the same with exercise. That hasn't quite worked yet. But maybe this is the year. Maybe 2018 will be the year that will kick in. But there's times where I have disciplined myself and I know it's good for me, so I've kept on in the practice and in the daily rhythm of reading the scriptures. But the times whenever that it started to feel dry is because I'm missing the point that it's not about ticking a box. It's not about just doing it because I should. But it's about longing for that encounter with Jesus. I want to read, just for a moment, <clears throat> what you did, just whatever way you're comfortable, if you want to close your eyes, you can, but I want to read a psalm to us, and this is one of the, there's a few passages, and the, there's quite a few, but there's a few passages in the Bible that when I read them, it honestly feels to me like it's like this gentle breeze blowing over me. Oh, there's just this sense of sometimes I'll read something and it's just this sense of, it's like heartburn. It's just a sense of encounter. It's like, it's as if Jesus is speaking, as if God himself is speaking the words. And this is a well-known one, but Psalm 23. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in the green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil my cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Do you sense the encounter? See, yeah, to do a, a Bible study and, and to go down into each, you could actually stop in each one of those verses and just dig deeper into what do they mean. But sometimes it's just lovely to allow the verses and the scriptures just to wash over us and to find the God of the scriptures in the middle of them. See, the word of God transforms. You know, I'm, I'm biased. I mean, at this stage in my life, my whole life revolves around the fact that the Bible is true and that this is what I've given my life to. But I am deeply persuaded and and convinced that there is life in this book. There is life to be found. I have personally been changed by what I find in the scriptures. And I have personally witnessed people's lives completely transformed by the word of God. People that have been locked in fear, set free. People that have been burdened with shame, and, and burdened with just the, the the effect and the impact of sin in their life, completely reborn. I have watched that. I have seen it. The word of God transforms. Second Timothy three sixteen to seventeen says this: Every part of Scripture is God breathed, and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes training us to live God's way. I'm going to read that again. Every scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. I think that maybe one of the things that keeps us from the scriptures and from, from that encounter with God is because there's nowhere to hide. It's when we come to the scriptures and we come to the Bible with, with a heart of we wanna we wanna hear what God has to say with us, say to us, we want to meet with him right there. Sometimes we don't want to look in the mirror that he holds up. I know that's true for me. Because that's what he does. When we come with that heart of meeting and encounter, he holds up the mirror. But it's because he wants to correct our mistakes. Yes, sometimes he exposes our rebellion. See, who wants that? I'll be honest. Maybe that's why we avoid the Bible sometimes. Because do we want God to expose our rebellion? But the truth is that's the best thing for us. That God would expose our rebellion and lead us on. He's not going to expose our rebellion so that he can be judgmental, but it's so that he can say, I have a better way for you to live. Come with me. Take my hand. The Word of God is powerful. It's a powerful book. This book is infused with power. It's it's, um, power and not philosophy that is the strength of this book. If you're a teenager here, if you're a young person, actually all of us, if there's one thing I can encourage you to do this year, it's to open it up. Would you begin to engage with scriptures? Jesus was God in flesh. And when the enemy tempted him, after a 40-day fast, what weapon did he use? Anybody know? Scripture. That was the weapon he used. Paul, in his instructions on spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6, he calls the Word of God the sword of the Spirit. It's the sword of the Spirit. Now, a Roman soldier, I learned this this week, a Roman soldier would take in his hand his sword and that would be his only offensive weapon. And it would be a wee short, wee short sword, apparently, double-edged, used for close fighting. That's as much fighting as you can tell I've never fought. Okay. But I've watched lots of movies about fighting. Okay. <clears throat> and this short sword, this is like the word of God. It can cut through all the stuff society tells you that are lies. Everything that culture would tell you that is the truth, this sword, the sword, the word of God, the sword of the spirit cuts right through. I can think of times in my life where I have been faced in a in a dilemma of trying to make the right decision or in a place of being not sure, of confusion, and the word of God comes in and honestly it's like it slices right through. Anybody else had that experience? Where the Word of God just slices right through all the nonsense and all the confusion and all the fear and everything like they got and just cuts right through, right down to where the truth is. That's what the Word of God does. Right through. Matthew seven and Matthew five actually Matthew five, six and seven is known as the Sermon on the Mount. And it's the most complete single message Jesus gave. And Jesus then is back from healing people, and now he wants to teach his followers some really important things. And it's about getting on with God and others. And in in chapters 5, 6, and 7, he tells us about that it's the narrow way. Remember that part, that it's a narrow way to him. He then says, because you follow me, people will treat you badly. It's all good news. (laughs) And then he goes on to say, well, the world is upside down. And we talk about that, don't we? We talk about that the, the kingdom of God, this Christian life, is actually, it's living the right way up in an upside down world. And that's why sometimes, honestly, at the minute, it, does it feel like you're, you're, it's like, there's just confusion all around us. And it's like everybody wants to know what the truth is. But at the same time, people are denying the truth even exists. Like Mr. Trump and his fake news. It's funny with Mr. Trump, it's only fake news when it's talking about him and it's not fake news when it's talking about everybody else. But anyway, we won't go there this morning. But, you know, it's the whole thing of this search for truth, but at the same time not really wanting truth. And it's all this confusion going on. If you want to know the truth, then you go to the Word of God. You want to know the truth that can take through all the confusion, that can take away all the chaff and all the nonsense that we get caught up in and we don't that Jesus doesn't want us caught up in. You just get the, the truth to come to cut right through. The sword of the Spirit, the word of God to cut right through all of that and we find the truth. We find the way of living right way up in this upside down world. And he says this, but we live in this upside down world. He takes us beyond good behavior into our motives, our thought life, and our motivations. You see, in the world, it's all about how things look on the outside, isn't it? As long as it looks okay on the outside, then you're doing okay. Or as long as you're not annoying anybody else. I mean, one of the great gods in our current culture and our current society is tolerance. As long as you're tolerant, everything's okay. Anything goes. Anything goes. And yet that's so contrary sometimes to the truth we find because we follow not a set of laws, we follow a person and Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. You see, it's not enough just to be tolerant. It's not enough to just what, you know, what about, what about God? Do you know that when we sin, we break his heart? And it's not just our actions. What if our thoughts grieve his heart? See, Jesus takes us way beyond this visible external behavior, and he brings it right into the very depths of us. And sometimes our thinking and our motives, they break his heart. But if we don't encounter him, in the place that we've been talking about in prayer, in this place of deep encounter in the scriptures, then we don't get to talk to him about that stuff. And we don't get to reveal, we don't get to be in that place where he reveals what's really in our heart so that we can begin to allow him to change us from the inside out. It is not enough for us just to think, well, I'm going to act properly on the outside and eventually it'll all start to Make sense on the inside. You ever hear that sometimes? It's like, you know, make yourself exercise and someday you'll love it. Still hasn't happened. Sorry, Ash. Still haven't got there. Um, or whatever. But actually, with God, it's the opposite. It's about inviting Him into the depths of us and He transforms us here and it begins to change us on the outside. The third and last thing the Word of God is unshakable. Matthew 7 24 to 29. The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash when Jesus had finished saying these things the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law if you build your life on the truth that you encounter in the scriptures your life will not fall when the storms come, it will not fall. I look around this room and I know I have the privilege of knowing some of your stories and I have had the privilege of walking through some really hard stuff with some of you. And I know this to be true because your life is built on a firm foundation. And when the storms have come, which they will, you have not fallen. Yes, the wind howls loud. Yes, the rain bashes us. It can feel like we're going to be overwhelmed. You know, remember the storm that didn't come a few months ago? But, you know, do you ever been in a house when the storm is really loud? And, like, you really feel like, I remember at times thinking, has our roof coming off? Because it feels, you know, the, you can just feel the shaking in your house. And sometimes it's like that in our lives. Sometimes the onslaught of the enemy and the things that come against us in this world can make us feel like everything is shaken. But you see, whenever God is our foundation and in His word we have built it like brick by brick in our foundation, we will not fall. You will not fall. But we've got to build our lives on the rock. That's a choice. This is what I see in this parable parable. It's a choice. If we hear these words of mine and put them into practice, it's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You see, it's not enough just to hear the words, but we need to live them. We open the scriptures, we encounter the God of the scriptures in that moment, but it's not enough just to be in that moment, then we need to begin to live from that moment and build our lives from that moment. Does that make sense? So when the storms come and the rains come, and the floods rise, we find ourselves standing firm, standing firm. The people were amazed at Jesus teaching. They were amazed because he backed up what he said with works of power. some of the words of power that he's saying over us today. And and for some of you this morning, I really sense him saying, I have seen you build your life on my word. I have watched you diligently encounter me, be faithful to me, live in a way that would bring me honor. And he says to you, your foundation is firm and strong. Because I think there's some of you this morning and the enemy has been chirping in your ear saying, ah, you only think your foundation's Firm. I sense the Father saying to you, "It is firm, because you and I have built it together. You have heard my words, and you have done them." See, I know people that have faced horrible things. They have faced, they have faced grief. They have faced disease. They have faced, um, you know, awful life-changing diagnosis. All those things. But in the face of that. In the face of it, they have stood firm. They have stood firm. I bet every single one of us could think of someone in their lives, and as you watch them walk through the hard stuff, you just keep seeing this firm strength. And so often, other people will, will comment on that, won't they? They'll say, "How do you remain so? How are you so strong?" You know, everyone else around them is falling apart. Everyone else is like melting down and falling apart. And yet the person that's in the middle of the crisis is able to stand firm and go, I've just got the strength. I-, I, can- I can only say that it's God. It's him who is helping me stand. It's him who's actually helping me to put one foot in front of the other. I, I don't understand it. That- that's not anything I'm doing. It- it's-, it's-, it's him. It has to be him. I just want to encourage us to go into the scriptures. This is not a guilt thing. <laughs> this is not a, you should be doing this, but this is a, oh, my desire as your pastor is that your lives will be built on the strong, solid foundation of the word of God. That's my desire for you. Um, two years ago when I was so unwell, and I have his permission to talk about this, so... Um, when he was so, so, so unwell with his mental health, I remember at times, f- like, it was honestly like I could almost hear the wind and the storm battering us. And time and time again, people would send me verses, and, and this, this strong picture arose of Micah and I in a boat in the middle of this storm, but constantly being reminded that Jesus was in the boat with us. And the constant, like, words, people would send me songs and things. And, no, and most people didn't even know what was going on. But it just, it just that's how God speaks, isn't it? He just sends you these people from different places. who have no idea. And just send me verses and songs to listen to. And it was just always the same theme, the same thing. And I remember at that time feeling like my whole world was shaken, but my foundation was strong. And I'm not saying that for any pride in myself, but it was because God had me. He had us. And I just remember being so aware. It was like when I would walk around doing my everyday life, I would just be like, I felt like I was stuck to something strong. And even though at times it felt like my knees weren't going to be able to carry me anymore, it felt like I was losing the strength of my legs, these feet were not moving. They were stuck solid to the rock. That's Jesus. They were not going anywhere. And that's my prayer and my desire for every one of you. Every one of you. Reading Scripture is not just something good that we should do. It's just not just another to-do list for January, like eating better, exercising, getting more sleep, whatever we add onto our list, read the Bible, pray more. This is fundamental to your life. Because this God of the universe longs to encounter you to transform you, to build your life through his word. That's what his desire is. Why would we not want to do that? So I have a couple of things, recommendations for you. I like to do that at the end rather than just leave you. Homework, if you'd like to call it that, since I am a frustrated teacher. Um feel my A-levels, didn't get into uni, all that there sort of thing. Anyway, I get to treat you guys like my class sometimes. So we've got some homework And the homework is, I'm going to set up, um, for those of you who use Uversion. hands up who use that app. There's quite a few of you. I thought it might be fun for us to do a reading um, thing together. What do you think? That'd be fun. So there's a seven-day one that I have chosen. It's only seven days. So I'm going to fire that up on Facebook later on today when I work out how to do that. I have, I'm technologically slightly challenged. Um, but I'm going to talk to Ash, who's our media expert, apparently. And he's going to keep me right on how to do this. But we're going to, I'd love us to have an online group on there through the Bible app. And it means we can share wee ideas. We can like, post up favorite verses, bits and bobs. And it's for seven days. And this is a great way, if you're struggling to get into that discipline of doing it, this is a great way to jump in. Because so often, once you've done your seven days, then you'll be having a wee scout through the plans to see which one you're going to do next. So I'm going to put that up there. So that's a wee bit of homework for those who want to do that. For the rest of you who don't use version, can I encourage you, set yourself a wee reminder on your phone, put it on your diary or something, just every day for the next seven days, read the word of God. That can be one verse, it can be a chapter. Honestly, the amount is not important, but it's that you you long for that encounter with Jesus. The second thing I want to encourage you to do, would you sign up for a life group? Every single, every single life group, one of the stipulations for it is that they you must open the scriptures every week. And in some of the really practical ones, that has been a challenge, but they've still done it, where whether it was just a thought, Five-minute thought, the Scriptures are open, and we gather around them together. And that's such a powerful thing, because it's getting us into the habit to see a Sunday morning here is never, if you're living off Sunday morning, guys, you aren't getting enough. This is just like the menu. But you need to be eating during the week yourselves by re-engaging with Scripture. So that's the two things. Sign up for Life LifeGrip um, because every Life LifeGrip is going to be gathering around the scriptures in some way, shape, or form. Some of them more creatively than others. I would say the blank page one will be extra creative. Some ideas there. Um, we'll get them to share it with the rest of us. Um, but please, please sign up. And the other thing is then we're going to get that online reading thing done. Why don't you stand with me?